Amen. We're turning together this evening in God's Word to the Gospel of John and to the chapter 4. The Gospel of John and the chapter 4. And we're going to move down towards the end of that chapter to take up our reading. And we're going to read from the 43rd verse. It's John's Gospel and the chapter 4 and the verse 43. And we're going to read in this passage a miracle performed by the Lord. And that miracle was a miracle of healing, the healing of the nobleman's son. And if my records are correct, I have never preached on this particular miracle. But as with all of the miracles that you read off in Scripture, that it sets forth for us the person and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let us read from God's Word, John chapter 4 and the verse 43. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went on to the feast. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went on to him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see the signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. They said unto him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Amen. We'll end there at the end of the chapter. And may the Lord add his blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. We're going to take our seats together and let us open up God's precious word, John's Gospel and the chapter 4, and this great miracle uh, that we have read together. And just to again set the scene for the message tonight, 
I would draw your attention to the 50th verse, John chapter 4 and the verse 50. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And the title of my message this evening is Delivered from Death. Delivered from Death. Let's just unite in a brief word of prayer and ask the Lord for help as we come to the ministry of his word. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for the opportunity to seek thy face with thy word before us. And we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit of God, the one who is the author of the book, that he would come and reveal the very things of God to our hearts this evening. Be pleased to speak powerfully, even through thy precious word, and in everything that would be said and done, we pray that it would go down to the honor, to the glory, and to the praise of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We ask these things in his great name. Amen. Well, there are, of course, many miracles recorded in God's precious word. And sometimes those miracles performed by the Lord Jesus Christ involve nature and involve creation. And we can think of how the Lord miraculously was able to control the wind and the waves and even the fish of the sea. At times he was able to multiply the very food that was before them. Wonderful miracles that demonstrate to us the person and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Other miracles where the Lord cast out demons. You could perhaps think of legion and how the Lord came and cast out the devils and the demons from legion. Other miracles from the Lord that involve death. You think of Jairus' daughter and of Lazarus, and they were miraculously raised from the dead, even the widow of Nain's son. Powerful, wonderful, and glorious miracles. Other miracles involve healing, the healing of sickness and the healing of disease. And that's the case here in the miracle that is before us. It's the miracle recorded in John's gospel alone. And it's a miracle that involves the healing of a nobleman's son. There are other miracles that are exclusive to the gospel of John. When you come to the gospel of John, he gives to us some miracles that the other gospel writers do not give us. It's John alone who tells us in chapter 2 of that miracle of turning the water into wine. It's John's gospel alone that tells us about the healing by the pool Bethesda in chapter 5. It's only John who tells us in chapter 9 about the man who was born blind and yet the Lord was able to give him that sight. It's only John in chapter 11 that tells us about Lazarus being raised from the dead. 
It's only John in chapter 21 who tells us there about the great catch of fish. And it's only John who tells us here in chapter 4 about the healing of a nobleman's son. That nobleman was from Capernaum. And his son had obviously taken sick. And his son begins to deteriorate. In fact, if you followed in the Bible reading at the end of verse 47, he was at the point of death. And it forces his father here to travel to Cana of Galilee, where he had heard that the Lord Jesus Christ was. And as this nobleman, this father, comes to Cana of Galilee, he comes to the Savior and he beseeches the Lord on behalf of his son. And we find that the Lord was to give him a word. It was a word of promise. And it's found there in our text of Scripture in verse 50. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. Of course, it would later be confirmed in the passages we read that the son at that very hour, the fever left him, and he was healed, and he was delivered from the very point of death. Thy Son liveth. And I want us to take a brief look at this great miracle this evening and just to notice certain things surrounding this miracle. I want you to think firstly about the burden of this father. The burden of this father. He was burdened because of the condition of his son. If you were to look at two verses with me, verse 47, and it's speaking here about this nobleman, when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went on to him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. In verse 49, the nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. And whenever you think there about the comments and the words, the language that is used by this nobleman to the Savior, my, it's heartbreaking. And those words would reveal to us something of the burden of this father. The burden was there due to the condition of his son. And this individual is described there in verse 46, as a certain nobleman. He's a nobleman. Well, that word nobleman in the Bible, it actually relates to a king's officer. Or it would refer to a government official. And so this particular individual, he's an individual who has a position and it's a position of influence, and it's a position that carries with it power. He would have no doubt been a wealthy individual. He's a noble man, but it does not exempt him from trouble. And it's the son of a certain noble man, 
a king's officer, a government official. And this trouble has come to his home and it has come to his family and his son is ill to the point of death. He may have been a noble man, but he was a father. He was a father. And he was a father with a burden for his son. You think of those words at the end of verse 49, Sir, come down, ere my child die. We really don't want to put those words into a sentence. We never want to have to fabricate such a sentence where it would speak about the death of a child. And here he may be a noble man, but you can see the burden of a father's heart when he's speaking about my child, my child. The word child there, as it appears in the original, it actually means little child. It's just a little child. We would maybe say a toddler. Twelve times in our authorized version, the New Testament here would translate this word little child twelve times. Another ten occasions, the same word would be translated young child. And so when he says, ere my child die, he's speaking about his little child. He's speaking about his young child. This is just a little toddler, and therefore you can imagine the burden. I know that some even here tonight, some of you can well imagine that burden. Sad thing is, some have experienced little ones just like that. Maybe taken ill, seriously ill. Even in the situation where it does happen, where little ones die. You know, the first person ever to die in the Bible was a son. That was Abel. And here's a father, and he's burdened for his son because he fears his son is right at the very brink and is in danger of dying. A burdened father because of the condition of his son. A burdened father because of his compassion for his son. There's a love there. You couldn't read the passage and not feel the love that exists between this noble man and his son. It's often said that actions speak louder than words, and many times that is the case. And we can see it here, the length to which this father is prepared to go for his son. He's going to travel from Capernaum to Cana of Galilee because he has heard that the Savior is there. It's estimated that that's some 15 to 20 miles. And you would think today, well, that's not very far. That wouldn't be much trouble to travel 15 or 20 miles. But it wasn't in a car. It wasn't in a bus that has air conditioning, no. Probably had to walk. Maybe going on horseback or on a donkey, it certainly would have been slow. It would have been an arduous journey. 
but because of the compassion and the love that was in his heart for his son who was ready to die, he's going to make that journey. And he was willing to go. The love that parents have for their children, there's no lengths that they would not go to. You think of David. Whenever he lost Absalom and the tears of David, the weeping for his son. And when you think of this passage here and the burdened father, there's spiritual application. There's many a Christian home even tonight where parents are burdened for their children. That description there, a child who was at the point of death, if you were to take that spiritually, there are those who were living ungodly and sinful lives. There are those who are pursuing the sins and the pleasures of this old world. And we would say tonight, they're on the edge, they're on the brink, they're at the point of death, but it's eternal death, it's destruction in hell. Many's a parent tonight. Their hearts are heavy because of a son or a daughter who's out of Christ and who's at the point of perishing. Second place I want you to see this evening the belief of this father. He did have conviction, he believed in the Lord. Because he hears that the Lord there is in Cana of Galilee and he's going to go to the Lord. And he's going to take his burden to the Lord. That's what verse 47 is telling us. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went on to him. He had the conviction concerning the Lord Jesus Christ that Jesus is the answer. My son who's at the point of death. Jesus Christ is the answer. And he must get to the Lord. And he shows that belief, that conviction that he had in the Lord. My son needs the Lord. The Lord is the answer for my son's condition. He believed that or he wouldn't have made the journey. Believed in prayer. The word there in verse 47 that he besought him. He besought him. He's beseeching the Lord. And that's a strong word. It means to plead. It even means to beg. And here you can see this heartfelt plea that's coming from this nobleman, from this father concerning his son. But he wanted to come to Cana of Galilee. Because he believed the Lord Jesus Christ was the answer. We see something of faith here in the Lord. A father who is exercising faith in the Lord. But in the mind of this father, even as he comes to the Savior and he's beseeching the Savior, in his understanding the Savior has to come with him. And that the Savior has to actually go to his son. And the Savior has to attend his son. That he needed to go to where his son was. And so while he had faith in the Lord, it was an imperfect faith. 
because all the Lord had to do was to but speak the word and to say, thy son liveth. Distance was no obstacle to the Lord. And therefore, this noble man receives instruction. Yea, there's even a gentle rebuke there in verse 48. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. And because he came with that imperfect faith, and the emphasis there was, was on the physical and was on the actual seeing with the outward eye, and seeing those signs and wonders... And there's always something of a fascination with that, isn't there? The extraordinary. You know, the Lord was teaching this individual. He was teaching him of the importance of faith. And he was drawing on his faith. And he was instructing him concerning his faith. And he was emphasizing here faith alone. Don't be looking for the signs and the wonders. Just have faith in the Lord. That's what the Lord was teaching him. Have faith in the Lord and have faith in his word. You notice our text of Scripture, verse 50 there. Jesus saith unto him, the Lord speaking to him. And the Lord gives him that word and he says, Go thy way, thy son liveth. See the confidence that this man showed in the word of the Lord. Verse 50 goes on to say, And the man believed the word. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. He learned the lesson. The lesson that the Lord Jesus Christ was giving to him that he had only to come to the Lord and to trust in the Lord. And when he got the word from the Lord, the promise from the Lord, that was all he needed. Don't be looking for the signs and the wonders. Just believe. And just have confidence in God's word. This man learned the lesson. He was satisfied with that. He believed the word, the verse says. Believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. There's something there for us to guard. The flesh would look for the saints. Unbelief would look for the saints. The flesh would be looking for the spectacular and that which fascinates and that which appeals to the flesh, that which is sensational. And you can have today those who, and they're charlatans, by the way, who would say they're faith healers. And those who would claim to have gifts of the Spirit and to, to speak in tongues and to have visions. The Lord is showing us here through this miracle, just have faith in me and trust my word. The belief of this man he accepted that. And he was willing there that day to, to walk away again. The confidence of this man at the end of verse 50. It says he went his way. He sets off here and he's making a journey home in the firm belief that he can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. 
And that the Lord has heard his plea and the Lord has answered the cry of his heart. And he has a word from the Lord, thy son liveth. And he accepts that promise. And on the strength of that promise, he'll make his way home. Now you can see the belief of this man. And he's an example to us tonight. To accept the Lord Jesus Christ and to trust in him alone for salvation. And to rest upon his word with that confidence that this is a word that will never fail. The burden of this man, burden for his son. The belief of this man, he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and he believed his word. Then I want you to see thirdly the blessing of this man. There's a confirmation here of the healing. You notice verse 51 as the man's journeying back towards his home. It says, And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. And those words are repeated here. We have noticed them in verse 50. We used verse 50 as a text by way of introduction where the Savior gave the promise initially and said in verse 50, Thy son liveth. And those words are now echoed by way of confirmation from the man's servants. And they're saying to the noble man, Thy son liveth. They're repeated a third time in verse 53. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth. Thy son liveth. The confirmation that the miracle of healing has taken place. The noble man just wanted to firm it up a bit more. And he asked his servants, verse 52, he was asking them, when did it happen? When did the fever leave him? When did he begin to, to get well again? And they knew the precise time. They said to him there in verse 52 that it was yesterday. Yesterday. You know that yesterday, that indicates to us that by the time this man left his home in Capernaum, maybe he left early morning. And he made that journey of 15 or 20 miles and he found the Savior. But it took him to after midnight to get home again because when he met his servants, they said it was yesterday. And it was the seventh hour. In the Jewish time of the day, the seventh hour is one o'clock, 1 p.m., around the hottest time of the day. And here was this man who was a father, and because of the burden that is upon his heart, and he's wanting to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can see once again the example of how far he was willing to go. But it was there at the very hottest time of the day that he's with the Savior. When others would be sheltering away, here he's out and he's seeking the Savior. Seeking the Savior for his son. And you could pinpoint the very moment 
when he was made whole again. It was immediate. It was right at that seventh hour that the fever left him and he began to amend. They could pinpoint it to the moment. Isn't that like salvation? You could be under conviction of sin for quite a long time and your heart could be troubled because you know you're not right with God. But at that very moment when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's in a moment of time and you're made whole spiritually. No doubt there are many tonight who are here in the congregation and you could give the date the very day whenever you got saved. And there's others could maybe be even more specific and they could put it down to around the hour of that particular day when in a moment of time they were born again of the Holy Spirit of God. Justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. As the shorter catechism would tell us, justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardoneth all our sin and accepteth us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. And that moment the soul accepts the Lord Jesus Christ. In that moment they're born again of the Holy Spirit and they're made ready for heaven and you could pinpoint the time. And here we see the blessing of this Father. And the blessing comes through the confirmation of healing. But the blessing comes through conversions in the home as well. When you look there at the verse 53, it says, So the Father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed in his whole house. And here's the testimony of this man. He believed. He had that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was converted to the Savior. He believed, but not only by himself. It tells us his whole house. He himself believed and his whole house. And many tonight would desire that. What we refer to as household salvation. Everyone within the household, everyone within that family circle being saved, being shut into the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe tonight as we've related to this particular miracle, that there are parents who can certainly relate to it. Maybe there's a son or a daughter. And they're wayward tonight, they're outside of the Savior. Maybe there's another loved one. Maybe it's a mother or father. Maybe it's a husband or a wife. But the desire would be that every last one within the family would be shut into the Savior. His whole house. That was like the Philippian jailer. And Paul and Silas had said to him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And thy house. 
Acts 16, 33, And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his. He and all his. There was household salvation. Over in Acts chapter 18, and there in the 8th verse, it's referring to the house of Crispus. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. Though we would love to be able to put that description over our homes, over our households, over our family circles, it started out with one. It started out with the nobleman. It started out with the father. And because the Father took that step and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the end result was the whole family. Oh, the influence of fathers and mothers upon the home and upon the family. And therefore, tonight, whatever your role is within the family, maybe you'd be saying tonight, well, I couldn't get saved because there's nobody in my family saved, but oh, it has to start with one. And the greatest blessing that you could be to your family tonight is to be saved. To be saved. And as you have taken that step and come to Christ, that others in the family would follow after. He himself believed and his whole house. May the wandering ones tonight, in answer to prayer, come savingly to the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts this evening.